This week on Q&A, New York Times staff photographer Doug Mills. Mr. Mills talks about covering President Trump and discusses some of the photos he took during and after the 2016 presidential election. New York Times photographer Doug Mills, your last visit back in 2013, you were photographing a lot of Barack Obama. What's changed in your life since then? What's changed? Well, we have a uh, president who was not a politician in the White House, and the American people elected somebody who was a businessman, and now he is president of the United States, and things are drastically different for us. I mean, we it's, uh, it's a lot of work. We work nonstop. The president drives the news cycle, you know, hourly, and therefore it affects us every day. And uh, the White House is quite an exciting place to work right now. How is it different? It's different. We're getting a lot more, I mean, from a photographer's standpoint, um, we get a lot more access to the president. I see him more on a daily basis than we did with Barack Obama. And um, sometimes three or four times a day, sometimes five times a day, we will see him. And we're able to photograph him in different situations. Some meetings, some bill signings, executive orders, stuff like that. It's, um, and there's a lot of travel involved. Uh, not a lot of weekend travel other than to Mar-a-Lago or to Bedminster in New Jersey, where he likes to spend the weekends. Um, but it's, it's exhausting. It, but it's great. I mean, it's very exciting. I mean, I love what I'm doing. I get the greatest job in the world. And, you know, being in the White House right now, you know, every time I see somebody that I haven't seen in a while, that's the first question they ask. How's your life changed? And what's different about it? And it is. It's very different. Um, we're going nonstop. And there's so many more different pictures, you know. I think um, photographing Barack Obama for eight years, he was uh, probably the most photogenic president, you know, in my generation easily and in many generations. And um, I look at just the past year of photographing Donald Trump and... Um, He's probably one of the most iconic. I mean, you look at a picture of him, and no matter whether it's from the front, the side, the back, above, you know who it is immediately. And it's 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 challenging, but it's fun, and uh, I love you know I love photographing him. Here's a photo that you took of uh, Donald Trump sitting at his desk. When yes. did you do that? That was shortly after he uh, took office. That was. Um, you know, probably I believe in February or March, and it was uh, there was a period where he was signing a lot of executive orders, and um, again, us having more access to the president, we're in the Oval Office a lot longer than we normally have been, and therefore you are able to be creative. I was able to put a camera up high in the air and look down on his desk, and I was waiting for them to bring the the you know the uh, executive order over to him. And I ended up just liking that picture better than the one of him with the actual papers in front of him. So um, when you're on the scene like that, can you see, you know, that sweep of light on the desk? Can you notice that when you're doing it? Or I you did. Yes, I did. When I and because I never noticed how sh I mean, because other presidents have kept more things on the desk at times and sometimes they're um, it's blocked. But I think. This was an, an afternoon signing. Sun was coming in behind him, and it just cast that little, 
vignette across there, and uh, I remember looking at it when I, you know, pulled it up in the computer, thinking, "Wow, it looks even more dramatic than when I saw it in person." And you took the overhead shot, which we also have, and it's become kind of your trademark. When did you start doing this, and how do you do it? I basically take um, a monopod, a single, you know, leg of like a tripod, a monopod, but it has a. a connector on the top of it and I put a ball head on top of that which allows me to pivot the camera up and down into the side and I lift it up as high as it'll go probably 12 15 feet at the most and then I'm able to tilt it over and I can't see through it so I'm eyeballing and I I try and do a practice shot in the press room you know before I go out and I try and calculate how what the distance is to pre-focus because I have to I'm not using an autofocus I'm pre-focusing so then once it's up there, I'm firing it as I watch him directly as he's gesturing or looking over. And yeah, I, I, I just think it's such a great, unique you know, view of the Oval Office or even on Capitol Hill at hearings and stuff like that. Um, I think it really brings a reader in to see who's in the room and how it's all being orchestrated. And I, you know, especially when everybody's around him like that and having the right lens on, um, I love doing them, yeah. In our archive, we have interviews we've done with you over the years, one from 96, which was about 22 years ago, one from 08, wow. one from 2013. Uh, so for those that have never seen any of these, uh, bring us up to date quickly on how long you've been a still photographer. Well, I've been, been in D.C. a long time. I've been covering the White House since uh, Ronald Reagan uh, when he was running for re-election. So I've been there since 83. I believe I've covered uh, 18 Republican presidents, or 18 years as Republicans, and 16 years under the Democrats, or d as a Democrat. So, how many years with the Times now? I've been with the Times almost uh, 16 or 17 years now. Yeah, and I was with AP, the Associated Press, for 15 years before that as the chief photographer in Washington. The the last time you were here, we talked about a man named Pete Souza. Pete who has had a bestseller on the mm. New York Times list. I think he was been number one a couple of weeks. Why do you think that particular kind of book of photos has sold so well? Well, I mean, Pete is a brilliant photographer. He is a, you know, he has a fantastic eye. He had probably the most access of any, you know, White House photographer ever. I mean, and you talk to other photographers who have been in that same job. I think Pete had the most access. He um, clearly did a fantastic job of branding himself and branding his work, uh, being, you know, staying with the president all the time. He rarely took a day off. Um, his colleagues did not have the same kind of access that he did. And therefore, he's been able to tap into a market that, you know, obviously the book is selling like crazy. I mean, in, in all due respect, some of that work, I think, came at the expense of some of the access that the press was not getting. That's what I wanted to ask you, because we talked about the fact that you were kept out around the Obama, some of the Obama years, and you went to bat for that. And in the end, what did happen? It changed. I mean, you know, you go through different press secretaries, you go through different communications directors. Um, I think Josh Arnes did a great job of trying to get us back into the fold and, and think more about pictures. Uh, he had a great team that really were committed to it. it. You know, once there was a lot of, you know, controversy about the fact that we felt like we were being shut out, and it, it, it was, there were facts. I mean, we had 
plenty of examples that we were not allowed into where the White House was putting out their own Instagram or their own Twitter pictures or putting it up on whitehouse.gov and excluding the press. So basically going around them on significant events, you know, we had uh, one that sticks out in my mind. I think it was Memorial Day and the president invited the oldest living African-American veteran to the White House, which sounds like that would be a great photo. It would be a great thing for the news media to see. And it was only done by the White House photographer and therefore it was put on Instagram and Twitter and so forth. And that, those were the things that you know really irritated me about that. And so, again, Pete's great, great photographer, did a great job. You know, he had the trust of the president like no other photographer. And, um, but I felt at times we were on the short end of that because we were not allowed into to every event that we are certainly now getting into and staying in events. How would you describe the photographers that the White House has hired around President Trump uh, compared to the others? Not I mean, a lot of different. I mean, uh, Sh- uh, Ka- Callie, uh, excuse me, um, sorry about that. Um, Shayla Craighead, who is now the White House uh, photographer for Donald Trump, uh, President Trump, she worked in the Bush administration. Um, and there are there's another female photographer who worked for President Bush and on the First Lady's staff, on Laura Bush's staff, and I think Shayla has two or three other. I think it's a mostly female staff too, and they're great. They're all you know. They're not, none of them are photo former photojournalists, so to speak, that were working just as working press photographers. Much like during the Obama administration, Pete was a working press photographer. Um, Lawrence Jackson from the Associated Press was a working photographer. You had Chuck Kennedy who was also a working photographer in D.C. So those three right there were working um, in D.C. and, uh, you know, doing what we do every day. Here's a photograph that you took in front of the White House. What, what is that? Where, where is the president? The president's on the uh, south lawn of the White House, and it was an event for, um, you know, I think unions and truckers and so forth. And uh, it was a normal event, you know, where the president got up and spoke at the podium, um, there were members of Congress there, and the two tractor trailers were sitting behind them as props. And they filled up the frame nicely, they looked great. And at the end of it, um, I think a number of us photographers were joking, wouldn't it be wild if he got in the cab? And everybody said, oh, no, no, he's not going to get in, the, he's not going to do that. And sure enough, he climbed up there and grabbed hold of the wheel like he had road rage and, uh, you know, it was hilarious, and uh, it made for great pictures. And you know, it was not a side that I had seen of him, you know, like that. But uh, obviously, he was having fun with it and joking with it. And you see the you know members of Congress there and other trucking officials who were taking pictures with their cell phones. If you were around him so much more than you expected, um, what do you see up close that we don't see on television or in photos? That's a great question, Brian. Um, what do we? What do I see up close? Uh, Obviously, he enjoys having us around. I really believe, despite his constant, you know, um, comments about fake news and the media and so forth, I really, I really feel he enjoys having us around because it helps drive his message. It helps drive the news of the day, which he can do every day and does every day. He's constantly driving the message, and therefore, having us around um, really allows him to do that. And I think he. He has personality for reporters that he really looks to, and 
uh, when we're on Air Force One, he'll come back and chat with us. Um, and there are reporters that he, he obviously has read their stories and speaks to them on a fir- first name basis. He has not gotten to know photographers in the same regard. Um, he may know my name, but he's never said to me, hey, Doug, uh, unlike you know other presidents. But again, he's only been in office a year. Um, I think he knows who I am. He knows that I work for the New York Times. And, um, the failing New York Times. The failing New York Times, exactly, yes. And that, that hurts sometimes when you hear it because, you know, the New York Times is the greatest news organization in the world, and, and we don't put out fake news. And that, that gets under my skin when I hear it, but that's, I think a lot of journalists feel that way when they're around him and he says that. Have you ever, have you ever had a conversation with him? Very, uh, we, for, let's see, for the White House News Photographers Contest, Last year, um, we were invited in the Oval Office to uh, have our picture taken with him, and it was a brief handshake. And he I, that was the first time that I thought that I, it was the first time I'd ever shaken his hand, and um, I think it was the first time I realized that he knew who I was because he said something to the other photographers about, "Oh, he's very good. You watch out for this guy," meaning to the other photographers. So I realized then that he knew who I was and who I worked for, and. Um, you know, it's 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 definitely different. He's not a politician. And every time you're in the Oval Office, you realize that when he's around members of Congress. I mean, to have a cabinet room, you know, photo op the other day about immigration and be in there for 55 minutes. And we're, we were like flies on the wall while they were negotiating, you know, the immigration bill. And it was it was fascinating. I mean, it was it was unprecedented. I mean, I I even said to Lindsey Graham, while he, Senator Lindsey Graham was sitting right in front of me as I was taking pictures. So this is unbelievable. He said, I know. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's remarkable. It's different. On that particular uh, day, did they tell you that this was going to happen? No, we had no idea. Actually, in fact, Brian, the, the photo op or the, on the president's schedule, which we get every day, we have our, his schedules emailed to all the journalists who are covering the White House. And that day, it stated that the meeting was going to take place, but it said closed press. But a lot of times, um, the president, I think, or someone in the senior staff says, wait, we, we have to get the media in for this. Or the president says, where's the pool? We're told that that's a form of, you know, that he says a lot. Where's the press pool? Where's the press pool? Get him in. I want him in. And so that's what happened that day. And we thought it would be a couple minutes and... Yeah, we'd get out, but yet we stayed in 55 minutes, and it was remarkable. Here's a photograph of an important person in the White House. Who is it, and where did you get this photo? This was taken during uh, a meeting. I believe the president was meeting with uh, members of Congress and uh, sitting there with his hands up to his ears or to his face was uh, the chief of staff, General Kelly, John Kelly. Who is uh, I've gotten to know, you know, on a hello, how are you? Nice to see you, sir. Uh, met him on a couple off-the-record events that the the White House has had. Um, I have great respect for him. He's very nice to me, very kind to me, and uh, it was the first time because normally that's where the vice president sits, and I think the vice president was traveling that day. So when we went in the room, and a lot of times when the vice president is sitting in that seat. There's a Secret Service agent directly behind him. So we are not allowed to have that kind of perspective right over whoever's head is sitting directly across from the president. So I realized that and jumped right into it. So Is that normal that they, over the years, have not let you have 
that kind of a position? No, it's just ha it's happened uh, during the Trump administration where there's been, I don't recall it happening during, um, you know, with Vice President Biden sitting there with President Trump or President Obama across from him. Um, but now there's a, a, there's a lot more security and we see a lot more Secret Service around and the White House um, has a lot of new faces in the media. And therefore, there are a lot more Secret Service agents around us in the media. And it, it seems tighter in that regard. Who's the f person in this photograph with the jacket over his head? That was taken uh, from the, one of the press vans uh, one evening at the White House. The president and first lady were heading out, and uh, we thought his son, uh, Barron, was going to come with us because he, he was up by the motorcade. And um, uh, I saw him walk across the, the lawn. And normally, you know, we're not allowed to photograph any of the children. We always give that respect that, hey, we're not going to photograph him unless, unless the president's around. But because he was around and we thought he was leaving, the, you know, the TV video pool starts rolling on him. So I thought, oh, I better get this in case they, they see this video. And I need, so I started photographing Well. As soon as the two boys saw, you know, the TV camera pointed at them, they put their their jackets over their head, which made it kind of funny and different. And then, you know, and the the boy or Baron always has a uh, a Secret Service agent with him. So just like every member of the Trump family, and just like every member of the Obama family had, they have constant Secret Service around them. So I think they just like um, you know Sasha and Malia going to school. Barron has children, you know, Secret Service with him at his school. So, this is a, a unique photo, and you, you, people can see our stuff independently on Twitter. Correct. How do they do that? What's the, what's the address? Uh, NYT Mills, or is my Twitter handle, and um, this picture was actually taken, uh, Brian, during that four or fifty-five minute epic meeting that we had with the immigration. It was the first time I'd ever seen. The number 45 embroidered on his sleeve. I'm always fascinated by his cufflinks. The president has a unique uh, array of cufflinks that I always try and photograph or get a detailed shot if we're in the meeting long enough, which, again, because we're in there longer a lot of times, we get to see these things. And this was one that um, when I took it, I, you know, I. I thought, wow, this is, you know, different, it's unique, and, and luckily, I mean, again, it's a very competitive thing. I'm not telling my other colleagues because there are probably eight to ten other photographers in the room at the same time. And I'm using a newer camera now. I'm using a Sony camera, which is completely silent. So I can be sitting, standing next to my colleagues, and they hear me, you know, formerly they could hear me taking pictures, but now they can't hear. They're completely silent. So that helped to make that image because I think if I had been photographing while he wasn't speaking or something like that, somebody say, "What's Mills shooting? What what's going on? What what what's go you know?" So it helped. Let's talk about the technology because the first time you're on a '96, you were shooting. Is it a DES three? Yes, uh, a Canon. Yes, DCS three. Yeah, DCS three. I my and one DX. Now they the models change every couple of years. Yeah. Uh, so you had DX. D1X. Right, right. When you came uh, in 2013. Oh, wow, these are antiques now, yeah. So what's the difference? Show us what you're using now. Well, I'm using, uh, it's a Sony A9. 
Um, like I said, it's a it's a mirrorless camera, so you know you. The mirror, when you press the shutter, like on a regular SLR, does not go up and down. You you don't hear any noise. You know, I'm taking pictures now, and you can't hear anything. Snap it. Let's just see what it, what it sounds like. It's you can see the red light going on. It's taking pictures, but you're not going to be able to see it because it's completely silent. Now, I mean, when did that come on the market? I it came on the market earlier in the year, uh, and I've been using it now in 2017. I've been using it now probably about eight months. And I was asked to try them out to see what I thought. I've been a Canon, you know, photographer for 30 years, 35 years. I mean, more than that, probably. You know, since my first camera was a Canon, and uh, they don't make an, uh, a mirrorless camera. And so Sony came to me and asked me if I would be willing to try it and just see what I thought. And I picked it up and I played with it for a few hours and. I remember saying to one of the technicians, this is a game changer. This is, I, I want to use this camera. How does it change the game? One, because it's silent. So for what we do in politics, when you're in the Oval Office, it helps to sound people immensely because that's one of the biggest complaints when the news photographers are around the president or other members of Congress when their cameras are going off. You know, it's hard to hear, you know, what the president's saying or anybody else in the room so that helps as far as what it you know being a game changer also it's 20 frames a second it can fire up to 20 frames a second which is twice what I was using before so if I'm shooting sports with this it's you know it it's incredible it doubles my you know frame rate um, the amount of pictures I can get the exact moment that I you know the peak action um, I use it sometimes for politics where I'll turn it up to 20 frames a second. I mean, chasing somebody around the hill like Robert Mueller, you know, in a hallway and you're running up and down the steps and trying to find him. And when you finally, you know, get to where there he is going out to his car. And I, I've used it on high that day. And I think I had like 50 pictures of him in a, you know, eight second window of seeing him, maybe less than that. And what, what about the quality? Quality's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I... I'm a true believer, and again, I've, I've used, you know, Canons all my life, and eventually I'm sure that, uh, you know, other Nikon and Canon will come out with, you know, mirrorless cameras, but right now that is, that is a, a great camera, and I can send pictures directly from there straight to my smartphone, and from my smartphone right to the office, or I can send them straight from there right to the I can stand in the back of the White House briefing room and take a picture and, and send it directly from there over using the Wi-Fi straight to the office, and they can have it in seconds. One of your visits here, you were full of computers and all that. Do you have to do that anymore? I do. I do. Like, when, you're, when I'm traveling with the president, um, being part of the White House press, press pool that travels with the president, the New York Times has a seat on Air Force One for photographers, and that when we travel with the president, yes, I take my laptop, so I can put on a caption. I can, you know, crop and tone pictures and so forth. Um, and it does still have all the, the MiFi's on it to allow me to get on the Internet. Um, but if I know I'm on deadline or if I know that um, the office is waiting on something, I can send it directly. And, like, during the campaign, I did a lot of that. I sent directly from the camera. Um, I still do it now at the White House. I'm heading off to the Olympics. I'll be doing it every day there. So, yes, it's... I don't carry the laptop as much. I don't use it as much as I used to. 
and I'm sure eventually the software will be allowed to be put into the cameras to allow us not to do that. Can anybody, can a civilian buy this Sony yeah. camera? Oh yeah, yeah, they, they are on the market. Sony How much? Uh, I think they are, they're cheaper than most of the SLRs out there. I want to say, I think they're under $5,000 and I know the other ones are around 10. Any other photographers that you come in contact with at the White House or in Washington use this silent camera now? Yes, yes. Other company, other photographers from Getty, Reuters, AFP. Sony came into Washington and offered to let a lot of photographers use them to try and, you know, to let them try it out and see if they would be willing to switch. And um, I have completely switched. And some of my colleagues would like to completely switch. But it's a matter of having, they're on a larger staff, you know, photographers at AP, 10 photographers there. It'd be hard for them to come in and outfit every photographer there who, who wants to switch. Um, same at Getty, same at Reuters. They, they would all, you know, it's a tough, tough thing to do when you have a large staff like that. Luckily, the New York Times has purchased them for me, and uh, I'm thrilled with them right now. Let's go back to some more of your still photographs. Um, most of these have been taken from Twitter. Here's one in the White House briefing room. Yeah, that one, that one got a lot of uh, interesting comments on, uh, on Twitter. It was a day where we had seen the president a couple times, I believe, and um, White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who I've gotten to know and really respect, uh, she's got the toughest job in Washington by far, um, was doing her daily briefing. And because we had seen the president a couple times, where my desk is in the White House um, briefing room, it's in the, all the way in the back. I can hear on the PA when the press secretary comes in and starts speaking. And I wasn't really planning to go out and photograph her until, you know, maybe late once the questions started. But when she said, I have a very special guest with me, I grabbed my cameras, ran up to the briefing room, and I heard her say, the president. And I thought, oh my gosh, he's coming into the briefing room, which would be his first time. He's yet to come into the White House briefing room for anything, for the press anyway. And, um, then all of a sudden, up he shows on the monitor, and you know, I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is a first! I've never seen this." So, you know, there were it was it was an interesting day, and uh, her face, uh, you know, the questions that she got about it, and so forth and so on, were interesting. But again, she's she's got a tough job. She's just like Sean Spicer; had a very tough job. Late last year in November. Uh, Steve Ducey and Mike Huckabee on Fox and Friends in the morning uh, brought your name up. Let's watch what uh, the exchange was, and I want to ask you some questions about okay. this. There was a moment when a New York Times photographer by the name of Doug Mills, who uh, was upset the day before because uh, they were not allowed to cover the APEC forum, he actually took this picture, and the, the Washington uh, Post said Mills got his revenge, the family photo, for that awkward moment. And the revenge was, Governor, that the uh, President of the United States had a grimace. He, he, looked, uh, he did not look his best. These are motor wine cameras. I mean, they just take... It's like a machine gun going off how many frames you know per second they're taking these shots so he has hundreds of pictures from that very scene to take from and he picks one uh, an isolated frame so it looks bad this is what people get so disgusted by you know and and this was a a hit job on trying to make donald trump look bad hmm. it wasn't a hit job i had no intention of doing a hit job on 
this president or any president. That's, you know, I was there. I've made that picture just like probably 20 other photographers who were there. I happened to tweet mine out first and um, it went viral. And because of that, um, I was criticized for. And it didn't help that the day before, um, or excuse me, the day that that, yes, the day before, uh, I had tweeted out a blank frame because we were at a summit in uh, Vietnam and had no coverage of the President of the United States. There it is. Yeah, so I tweeted out, I mean, it was the first time I'd ever been to a summit and never been able to photograph the President at a summit, much less the family photo, which is normally, when you hear a family photo, you think, okay, that's for the photographers and the camera crews. Well, we weren't even allowed into that. So, uh, I... What, what was driving that, by the way? Um, was it the there were a couple Vietnamese things. or was it the... Well, the Vietnamese came to, from what I, my understanding is, the Vietnamese came to the to the White House and said, okay, here's, here's, uh, here's the deal. We're giving each country two credentials for the press and that's it. So... The two, the two credentials that came to the U.S. press, one of them went to Fox Television, the other one went to the White House photographer. So when I found that out, I was, I was fuming. I was, you know, I was out of my mind about it. I was like, how could this happen? So the White House pushed back, and I had a conversation with Sarah about it that evening, um, that they you know, were given one credential. They didn't even have a credential for the White House photographer. So my feeling was, well, if it's a press credential or if it's just a credential to get in, it should be given to the press. You know, I thought, you guys with the pens, the White House staff pens, you can roll them. Just send them in with the president. Nobody's going to stop a photographer who's traveling with the president of the United States, much like Pete Sousa used to do. Nobody's going to stop them. So send them in. Give the other credential to a member of the White House press corps who's traveled, who spends, I mean, a trip like that costs the New York Times probably $60,000 to go on that trip. So it's not cheap. And for us not to be in the room, um, and we're there to cover the president and not to have access to it. And unfortunately, David Nakamura from the Washington Post wrote a story that, you know, that said, wrote about the blank frame and then again wrote the next day that I got my revenge. That's what the narrative from his narrative was, David Nakamura's narrative was, Doug Mills got revenge the next day with this awkward handshake picture. Well, but who made the choice? You tweet, tweeted this picture out, I Yes, said. I did. But, but did this picture end up, end up in the New York Times? No, I think it ended up on our Twitter feed, though. I'm pretty sure. Only, we, so they didn't publish it in the New they York didn't Times. Publish, they didn't publish. Oh, the, this picture, yeah. the handshake, yes, they did. I think they had... With the grimace on his face? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because every... I mean, we'll wake up the next, door, next day, I think we went from... Uh, Vietnam to the Philippines the next day the front page of every newspaper had the same picture it wasn't my picture it was the you know the AP picture the Reuters picture the AFP picture everybody made that picture I have some that were, look worse than that how often do you hear those a discussion about the New York Times from somebody like Mike Huckabee and Steve Ducey that is in your mind misleading well that was completely misleading nobody I mean Except you were mad, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was mad the day before. I was, com yeah, I was out of my mind the day before because we were not getting access. But the next day, we were given access to a speech, and he made the president made remarks. Other leaders made remarks. They got up on stage for this handshake, and it was, you know, a really awkward, goofy handshake. But every every photographer took, and it it brought back memories of when President Bush 
43, went to, to uh, I believe it was China, and went to open a door after a news conference, and the door was locked, and the photographers were right where you are. And he, Grimace, had this incredibly, I mean, twice, you know, more awkward face. And that picture went up on the front page, and nobody went after him. But because Twitter, Twitter is, you know, it's black and white. Twitter is, you know, there's no right, you know, there's no right, there's no wrong. Everybody has an opinion. And on Twitter, everybody goes after you if they feel you're being unfair. When you appeared on our call show in 1996, I hate to remind you, 22 years ago, uh, <laughs> dark hair then. But when you appeared here in, uh, in 1996, a woman called on the Colin show and was upset when we were showing pictures and you had a picture of Bob Dole in shorts. Mm. And she accused you of doing this on purpose. Right. Yeah. That. I remember that time. I mean, uh, Bob Dole was running for president. He came down to the pool and then started walking around the beach um, in his shorts. And he didn't have any problems with us taking his picture. Nobody in his staff ever complain that we took a picture. Why of does somebody in the audience think that you're out to get these That's people? a great question. I think that people, no matter who you work for, and I was working for the Associated Press at the time, um, I think people think that photographers have agendas and are biased. I could not be any further from being biased. I just do my job. I, I photograph what's in front of me. Um, I don't tell the president what to do. I don't tell him what not to do. And I don't, you know, not put out a picture because I think uh, the president, that it didn't happen. You know, if something happens and I have it in on, you know, a camera, a disc, it's it's not fake. And it's now, not, you know. I, I got to ask, though, you've seen over the years newspaper editors, photo editors, mm. you, the Drudge Report, people use pictures politically and show oh. somebody in a bad way. Right, yes, that's true. Yes, they do. And again, that Fox and Friends, uh, you know, video put me in a bad light in the same way. They used, you know, that picture. They didn't send out any of the other ones. that I, I mean, I didn't tweet them out, but I sent probably 40 to the New York Times. And they did not look to see the most awkward picture they could find. And the ones of him tighter, which a lot of the other photographers transmitted and used in the newspapers made him look even you know more awkward and that was not my intention at all it was an awkward moment it's an awkward you know but he is with world leaders here's a photograph uh, that shows what uh, cartoonists hmm. newspapers uh, time magazine covers love to do the hair they do it's as I said it's it's iconic I mean his hair is um, is amazing and and this was uh on that same asia trip and uh i think we were leaving china at the uh, and going out and uh the wind caught his hair as it does sometimes and um i you know i i had to question in my mind should i send this should i not send it should i not tweet about it should but all of my colleagues shot it the video i saw the video from it it looked the same way so it's not as if i'm attacking the president we're showing something that happened and people talk about his hair i mean his children have talked about his hair it's it's not um i don't think he, I, he's talked about his hair so i don't think it's you know i'm not going after him but it is i mean it's it's uh it's interesting here's a november photo uh seoul korea with the uh, presidential plane and uh 
something we the photos we have you don't we don't see much of is mrs yes. uh, trump is in this photo right the first lady was on the trip with us and um at this point they had two separate schedules and we had no idea you know that they were going to depart we don't get um those kind of details in our schedule but the president had just gotten off the plane and met with some leaders there and politicians and uh, members of the uh, diplomatic corps and was walking, doing a little review of the troops. And um, right at the end, First Lady you know, came up and gave him a kiss and she went one way and he went the other. And we were, of course, asking, well, where's she going? Where's the First Lady going? And they said, oh, she has a completely ske- different schedule than the president does. So. That's how that one came about. It was Photo, different. At the USS Arizona in Hawaii, first question I have for you is, how did you get this picture? Because there's a, a gulf between you and the president and the first lady. Yeah, the, we are, If, if that's at the, um, the memorial there the, at the uh, Pearl Harbor. And it's a amazing you know, place to be. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's just, it's solemn. It's it's dramatic it's so well done and we were standing on the other side the president had come in with the first lady via boat we came over on a separate boat they brought the white house press pool over into a separate boat we went into the memorial looked around we saw the um, chief of staff kelly looking at the memorial too we made pictures of him looking at it It was a very solemn moment president first lady went over and looked at the wall looked at all the names of the you know people who were killed there uh, service members who were killed, and um, as they were leaving, I think the president and the first lady were supposed to do this, but we didn't know we were going to see it. We didn't know as a press pool that we were going to get to see this. So they said, "Hey, come on around." You know, brought the press pool around. We're on another balcony, which looks like he's you know standing just above the water. Our area is just in the same spot, looking over the water. And um, they threw the rose petals up into the air and and into the into the water. I don't think they were rose petals. They were one of the native uh, Hawaiian plants. We'll come back to some more on uh, President Trump that you cover. Uh, but uh, this is some video from 2016 when you were on the Hillary Clinton campaign. And the reason I wanted to show this and ask you is that what's a 360? Oh. 360 is fast. I love shooting 360. It was a big, big um, project the New York Times was doing during the uh, election. And um, are you carrying the? I'm the carrying 360? the 360 camera. It was a uh, small little, you know, head. It looked like an eyeball. Everybody called it the eyeball. And you would set it down, and it basically would uh, allow you to see a 360 degree view of anything where you were and this one this one here is set on the ground on a uh, a monopod with two legs on the bottom of it and i just left it there i'm not even near it because i would have been in the frame and and you know secretary clinton walked over and was shaking hands with people and you know if you have the vr glasses on which are you know very very cool and fascinating you can basically stand around and look at you know an event like that there you are. Yeah, there I am. Who's, so, who's moving it at this point, the camera? No, you can move it. when you, As soon as you put the VR glasses on, you move it while you're looking at the video. Like right there when that moves. Yeah. yeah, so it's basically, it's not it's stationary, but you can follow everything around you in 360. It's fascinating. I mean, I used it on Hillary's campaign for months, and then I went over and they said, okay, can you you know switch gears and go over to Donald Trump's uh, campaign and use it? And I said, oh, absolutely, I'd love to. So... 
packed up all my gear and find out what schedule. Went out with um, Donald Trump when he was, you know, running for president. And the first day I put it down in the in the press pool. You know, one of the Secret Service guys goes, "What are you doing with that?" And I said, "It's a 360 camera. I've been using it over on the." Hillary campaign, and now I'm here, and he was like, you're not using that on our campaign. I was like, what do you mean? Why? I mean, it's no different, you know, and he said, no, 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 that could be used as a weapon. Get it out of here right now. So then I went and, ple- you know, pleaded with the staff. I was like, can I please you? This is what I've been doing. And they said, well, that's a service call. You know, that's a secret service call there. You cannot use it there. So then I went and begged more people, and I was like, okay, if you put it up on stage, maybe, but doesn't give you the same effect. It really has to be in a very strategic spot. And so I couldn't do it, you know. And Why it was would that be any different a weapon than that camera that you carry with you? I don't know. Uh, yeah, that was my. I believe me. I, I I went to you know the shift leader on on the campaign on the you know Trump's detail and tried to explain to them what I was doing, and it was like, no, 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 that's just too dangerous. Somebody can reach over and grab that and you know start swinging at people if they want to. And I had never it never even occurred to me that that's what it could be used as because I had used it for. Two or three months with Hillary. How often do you find yourself in an argument with either a staff person for a candidate, a president, or the Secret Service? Uh, during the campaign, quite a bit. Not an argument, but a discussion. I mean, there's maybe a few arguments here and there about logistics, about why things are being done, you know, the way they said they were going to be done. Or, you know, at the White House, it's a lot less arguing with you know, the Secret Service, because obviously they are in charge. The president's staff um, will, you know, listen to what their recommendations are. But ultimately, my experience has been, it's pretty much up to the president's staff. If the president's staff says, this photographer's allowed to go over here, then they go and tell the Secret Service, this photographer can go there, then they say, okay. If they know them, if they're, you know, confident in who they are and trust them, um, but we, there are arguments on the campaign. There are quite a bit with photographers and staff, and most of it's out of frustration about not being able to make a decent picture. It's never anything politically. It's all about this is what photographers need, and this is why we need it, and this is you know to help your candidate. We can't be here. We can't be there. This is not right. Let's go through quickly a lot of sure. your photographs so and just make a couple of comments and we'll just keep moving through it. This one is from October of 2017. Yeah, that was on a trip to South Carolina. Um, and uh, the president arrived there just as the sun was setting and it was just a um, dramatic, you know, again, shot it with the Sony and it, I was able to look at it a little bit beforehand um, before he came out and, and I just really went to a trying to do a silhouette because I thought it would be cool and he just I had one or two frames right where he peeked right through there. Here you are aboard a Marine One Naples uh, flooded area. Yeah that was uh, shortly after the hurricane the president went down to visit it and uh, we you know the press pool is flying um, in a separate helicopter um, that has an open back or windows on the side and um, a lot of the photographers went to the back of the helicopter to try and shoot out the back. And I went up to the side and asked the Marine who was standing at the, at the door, and that's normally his lookout, if I could just stand next to him and shoot out the window. And um, You have to pay for that. Oh, yeah, we pay for, yeah, we pay for, it's expensive. It's, you know, for news organizations to try, try with the president, it's, it's outrageous. I mean, I think the New York Times probably spends three-quarters of a million dollars a year 
for a New York Times photographer to travel with the president for a year. Here's a, a familiar figure. Oh. Yeah, what, he's a lightning you, rod. What can you say? Uh, do you have any interaction with him? <clears throat> yes. A um, couple of interactions. I mean, you know, you see Steve Bannon around the White House quite quite regularly. And he um, was not really friendly with the press. And he never really said hello to me or, you know, wanted to talk to me. I was in a meeting one time where he walked in and... Uh, you know, I think he said, "Oh, you're meeting." You know, it was with Sean Spicer and uh, other members of the White House uh, Correspondents Association. And I think Steve's comment was something, "You know, you're meeting with the enemy." You know, and and he said that publicly. So, um, yeah, you would see him around. The, he always made great pictures too. Again, he's a very uh, different kind of subject. You mentioned uh, Robert Mueller. Is this mm. the picture that you got? It is right here. Yeah, and we were. He was meeting before the select committee and and uh, on the hill and it was in a private where you know you can't stand by the door where he's meeting you know there's security there there are a lot of rules in the Senate about where photographers can and can't be so you're walking back and forth and walking back and forth and just trying to find out and all of a sudden you see the two security guys are gone from the door and you're uh oh he's gone he went out the back door so the Senate and that and it's over in the it was over in the um, the Senate side of the Capitol and running up and down steps and trying to think, all right, he came in this, where, where is he going out? So it was, and I and probably those three other photographers were running full speed upstairs, around elevators, up more stairs, and then ran outside and probably had five seconds before we saw the first security guard come out and then escorting him out to his car. So it's, it was a, you know, thankfully I'm in shape. I, I try and stay in shape to uh, to be able to do this young man's job, and uh, it's uh, it pays off because you know it's a it's a fast paced game at times. This next photo got you an interview in your own newspaper on page two. It did. Yeah. Why? What was all the the excitement about I in think, this photo? I think just because the day had you know the anticipation of the former FBI director Comey coming to to the Hill after he had been fired to talk about the firing and to talk about President Trump. Um, there was so much, you know, it was like the Super Bowl up there. It was the, it, there was so much hype. And once he got there, again, I used a camera with the monopod on it thinking this would be another, I try not to overuse that and I try and pick and choose when I'm going to use that, but I thought this would be a good opportunity to do it. Well, let's show the photo you also took at the same time from the back of the room. And if you look closely there in the middle, you can see your your own, your own self, as yep. they say, with a monopod and somebody next to you with another monopod. Yes, and I had I had four different remote cameras set up that day. I had set this camera up probably at 7 a.m. that morning in the back of the room up in a window. So I was able to fire wirelessly. So um, so when I was taking this picture, you know, looking down on Director Comey, it was taking that camera. It was taking another camera over here and another camera over here because on they the all, sides. all on the sides and the in the uh, windows, not on the floor. So I was, you know, and then I tried to explain because readers don't understand what goes into, uh, you know, how much effort is go, goes into an event like that. And again, it was like a Super Bowl. And, you know, my colleague there, Andy Harnick, was thinking the same way, that he wanted to try and Who do... Who's he with? He's with the Associated Press. And uh, he was trying to do the same thing. 
Does the Times expect you to do this, or you're doing this extra work on your own? Yeah, I'm doing it on my yeah, own. There's a lot expected of us, and I try not to let them down. And that is my goal, and never to take any assignment lightly. Every event, especially something like that, has got to be covered like the Super Bowl. By the way, you also carried another camera in with you. What's that one? That's a Sony A9 also, but it doesn't have the motor drive on it. So, And again, it's great because you know, you know can. it has a screen. You can. I'll turn it on here. So you can see everything like this. So if I'm, you know, I can take your picture right now and you can't hear it. But yet there it is, right? There you are. So, yeah, you can't hear, you can't hear even a, a whisper of a noise. When will we, as an audience that listens to the clicks all the time in these different events, when will we not hear it anymore, do you think? What's your prediction? Well, that's a great question, Brian. I would probably say within a year or two, I think. Certainly within two years, maybe well, a year, because a I think, difference. I mean, uh, you know, every time I, some of my colleagues, uh, John Roberts at Fox News uh, is a camera buff also, he's a correspondent there, and every time there's a photo op where they can't hear, you know, other, you know, they can't hear the president because of the cameras, he will say to me, I wish everybody would do what Doug Mills is using, or doing, and use the A9, because it's silent, and so I think... It helps for a lot of a lot of reasons, and I hope. I mean, believe me, I I hate having that sound um, drowned out what the president's saying or whoever you know you're photographing, because it's distracting. But again, it does make it feel more like a news event because you know when you hear all that click. I mean, it, even people who are watching it. I mean, I'm sure there's a reaction when the viewer watches it. If they hear the shutter, they're not necessarily worried about what he's saying yet, but they see that it's drama. It's dramatic. There's you know photographers there. He's not just in a studio. So I think, you know, it's kind of a catch-22, but... All right, here's a completely separate location. This is the Supreme Court back in June of 2017. What's this kind of an event like, and how often do you get to take this picture? This one is only taken every time there's a new member of the Supreme Court, and it is a fascinating... I've done it, I think, two or three times now. Uh, my colleague Steve Crowley's also done it a number of times. Um, but it's a fascinating day because you... You go over to the Supreme Court very early in the morning, and you set up in this room. Um, you draw straws about what position you're going to be, and you draw out of you know you draw ha numbers basically, and it gives you the position you're going to stand in. And then you go into the room and you put all your cameras down on the floor, and then you leave. And then all the chief justice or all the justices come in with the chief justice, and they pose for the the Supreme Court photographer. And then they say, okay, give us one minute, and then we're going to let the media in. And the media is allowed to come in, but you can't walk in, grab a camera, and start shooting. You go in, and there's somebody standing there with a stopwatch. And because they can hear the shutters, they say, okay, you cannot take any pictures yet. And they say, okay, ready, begin. So then I think we have like 90 seconds. And the, you know, the justices just sit there like this. I mean, they... Most of the time, they're just staring right at you. There's not any interaction back and forth. Um, so how did you do it this time? And Did you try individuals? Yes. Oh, yeah. So great question. So, yeah, you take an overall, and you make sure you get a good overall. And sometimes you don't have, because it's such limited time, you can't tell if somebody's eyes are closed, uh, whether they have an awkward look on their, you know, or an awkward smile. Um, but then you also have to get your required to get, or I, I'm required to get headshots of everybody. Because every time there's a story about the Supreme Court, there may be a, 
a separate story about a certain justice. So they'll want to use that headshot because we don't see them that much. They're not in public much. I mean, we see them in State of the Union. Every once in a while, they'll do a speech here or there, but we don't get to see them, especially in their robes either. So How often do they allow you to take this kind of a picture? Only when there's a new justice. So when somebody retires, that's it. You know, you would think they'd be done every year, but no, it's every time there's a new justice onto the Supreme Court. Now that you got silent cameras, they won't be able to know. Exactly. I could walk in and start shooting right away. All right. Here is the Speaker of the House. Where did you do this one? This was up in the... Uh, the Speaker Ryan has a, uh, a weekly press conference um, uh, after he meets with all the Republican members of the House. And he walks into a small room in the uh, Capitol, which looks big on television, but it's a very small room, and he usually stays in there and answers two or three questions, maybe four, and then uh, he comes out. So I was able to meet him at the door, and the way the door, the glass door was there, you know, so basically I was standing right in front of him, impeding him walking in, so I knew I couldn't stay there the whole time, so took a couple quick pictures and then stepped out of the way and was hoping to get him, because I noticed the door was open and there were people walking by and I could see the reflections. And nobody had walked in yet like that. So as soon as he walked through, the door was a little bit ajar. So it worked. This is uh, one of the many photographs you've taken around golf courses and the president. Mm. How hard did they work to prevent you from getting these shots? Pretty hard, yeah. It's, and why? I don't know. I think, one, because I think the president's, no matter what president, is, is criticized for playing golf. I mean, they have the hardest job in the world. But yet, whenever they go play golf, there are people on both sides or one side of the aisle or both sides of the aisle that complain that the president's playing golf. Whether you know President Obama played golf, President Bush, President Clinton, Bush forty-one, um, Reagan didn't play golf, so uh, didn't see him play golf. But yeah, this is Mar-a-Lago. Him getting in one morning um, to go play golf, and we don't get to see him play golf there. I mean, I know some of the TV crews have uh, recently found one little window to try and get him going from one hole to the next and have photographed, you know, taken video of him getting, I think it was from CNN, Peter Morris, had video, and then once it aired, they brought in a truck and blocked that area, and now it planted trees. Now, this photograph, um, the general public would be, you think, interested in? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, just the way all the reporters are sitting around waiting for the, for the press secretary to come out. I think uh, this was during Sean Spicer's era. Um, and it's a packed house. I mean, and it, 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 most of the times it's it's busy. I mean, I think Sean had probably, if you want to say, higher ratings than Sarah. I think Sarah has a way of bringing the temperature down in the briefing room. Sean's temperature was always up. Um, there is a, a photograph that I've seen online where there's numbers on the people and it says who they are. Oh yeah, yeah they. they yeah, I think early on Sean probably used that. I don't. I don't know if Sarah used. I think Sarah pretty much knows everybody now. I mean, there are a lot of people who come into that briefing room every day, sometimes for the first time, and she doesn't know. Who, and it's, I, I don't know if she calls on them because she doesn't know them, but I'm sure she can look at a certain reporter and know sometimes what kind of questions she's going to get. How soon did you know you had an unusual photograph with this one? Yes, that was at the uh, African American Museum and. Uh, yeah, that was one of those where all of my colleagues were to my left and I tried to go as farthest to the right because I didn't really like what we were going to be seeing. And luckily, President, when he turned the hallway and I saw the sign, you know, and then when they were, you don't see him talking quietly like that. The president's 
but she had his ear at the time. I mean, Elmarosa had had the president's ear. She was a confidant of him and uh, really uh, was around a lot. Um, but then, you know, once uh, Reince Priebus left and General Kelly took over, we saw a lot less of her because the meetings were really made tighter. I mean, you could tell dramatically when you would go into a meeting in the cabinet room or anywhere, the numbers shrunk right away because there were people that were going to the meetings that General Kelly felt really didn't belong there and therefore were a distraction. And so that that has changed a lot. I think General Kelly has brought the numbers down to the meetings and um, you see it. I mean, we see it as, as members of the press going into the room. How long can you keep this up? You said it was a young man's game or it a, young a young woman's man. game. It is. It's definitely a young photographer's game. Uh, it. I probably. I don't know. I'm. I'm what fifty. I'll be fifty-eight this year, and um, I'd like to do it till at least I'm sixty-five. You know. I think. I mean, if I stay in shape and I stay health, healthy, you know, I'm training right now for the Olympics. The Olympics are coming up, and. Uh, I'm training now with a backpack on with 30 pounds on my back and walking the hills just like I will be in, uh, on the ice. By the time people see this, the, the Olympics may have been, oh. they, how long do they run, a month? They run a month. They I leave on uh, February 3rd and come back March, or end of February. I always have to check in. We have, first of all, the audience needs to know that your wife runs our radio station. Yes. I always say that in these interviews. How old are your daughters now, the last time they were in their teens? My daughters are grown up. They're lovely young ladies now, and they are just, they are 23 and 25. Ellie lives Still in St. Louis. Still not interested in photography. No, Raleigh, Raleigh has a little photography bug in her. She has quite a little Instagram uh, feed, and uh, she has two, ac actually, Instagram feeds. And Ellie's interested in it, too, but not necessarily in their job. They're both in the PR and marketing business, and uh, they love their jobs. They're great companies, and, uh, I'm, you know, as parents, Kate and I are, you know, delighted for them because it's, it's, it's great to see them grow up. New York Times photographer Doug Mills, thank you for this periodic update on your activities. Brian, it's Appreciate a pleasure. It. Always a pleasure seeing you. Thank you very much for having me. transcripts or to give us your comments about this program, visit us at qnda.org. Q&A programs are also available as C-SPAN podcasts.